Hello, welcome to Careers Talk, I'm Kerry Eustace. Now, which group of people do you think are least likely to be unemployed? Hmm. Something finance related, I think. Doctors? I think doctors are generally quite high up table. It's all in the mind, apparently. Psychology graduates are least likely to find themselves out of work. More from a professor of psychology on how they are making themselves irresistible to employers later. Plus, Julian explains why journalism isn't a fast-tracked foie gras and champagne. (laughs) But first, the interview game, NHS apprenticeships and MI5 in the news roundup. Harriet Minter and Ali White are here with the headlines. Ali, do you want to start us off this week? Sure. Right, I've got the news that up to 6,000 extra apprenticeships will be created after the Department of Health announced plans to inject an extra 10 million into the NHS apprenticeship programme, according to personnel today. Under this programme, basically, apprentices work and receive practical and technical training to improve qualifications, and these are in support positions such as dental nurses and pharmacy workers. But it got me thinking about a Q&A I ran recently about vocational routes into the job market. You know, you get this on on the job training and you know of course in certain apprenticeships the chance not to run up a massive debt like mm. you do at university unfortunately but there was one statistic that stood out to me about how useful they are for employers as well and it was researched by the national apprenticeship service which found 80 percent of businesses employing an apprentice agreed they were more loyal and 81 percent of businesses agreed that they brought higher overall productivity so it seems to be working for both okay my story is city boys 10 rules of the interview game Now, I don't know if you remember City Boy. He's since revealed himself as Geraint Anderson, and he's an investment banker who wrote anonymously for the London paper about the workings of city life and what it was like to work as a banker and all the sort of juicy gossip and what Mm -hmm. they do with all their wads of cash. But he's now transferred some of his irreverent and revealing style (laughs) to the world of job interviews as well. And he's written some tips for MoneyWeb, which is a website about business news and stuff. And I think there's some tips that we could all learn from when we're in interviews. So I'm going to read just a few of my favourites. When asked why you want to move, it's not only okay to say for cash it's the correct answer because if you're making lots of wonga it's as a result of you making your firm major profits always say you're happy where you are it should be the pull not push factors that you emphasize that puts the onus on your potential new employer to persuade you to move which they do by increasing the money they're going to pay which is sort of like a role reversal of you sort of taking control in in the interview which I thought was quite interesting um if you ever hear the mention of words like long-term prospects make your excuse and leave (laughs) the city is about making hard cash asap and if they demand to know what your current salary is exaggerate it by 10 to 15 percent i always did this and they never checked it's quite controversial (laughs) and finally this is one for all sort of like people in their first job your first move should result in a major step up in pay as one trader said to city boy it's double bubble or nothing um i am talking today about mi5 because they have launched a recruitment campaign to try and get more women into the service so apparently we are all being put off by the fact that spooks kills off all its main characters and the poor women are very afraid that if they join mi5 they're gonna to have to spend their days running around the streets of london catching the baddies so mi5 are launching a specific female friendly recruitment campaign to try and get more women in and i actually applied for mi5 
years ago, years and years ago, and obviously didn't get it because I am the biggest gossip in the world and couldn't <laughs> keep a secret if my life depended on it. But if you're not quite as much of a blabbermouth as I am, and you think you're interested, The Guardian actually wrote a kind of past notes article for how to get into MI5, which is sort of a jokey look at it. But they did have one really good tip, I thought, which is that a kind of graduate entry-level role for MI5 isn't, unfortunately, going to be, as you see in Spooks, a lot of it is data entry. So if you're computer literate or even better than computer literate, if you've got enough of an understanding that you can pick up new computer systems quickly, that's a massive advantage. The other thing is, apparently it's not actually called MI5, it's called (laughs) the Secret Service, so don't call it MI5 in your interview. (laughs) And um, the other thing is to think about what you want from your working life, so not just the actual job, but your life around it because obviously if you're somebody who after a stressful day likes to go to the pub have a drink and chat through your day with your friends you're not going to be able to do that at MI5 so it is actually very insular so if you're somebody who has a very separate work and outside life then it's maybe not the role for you and you're going to find it quite difficult thank you very much now lots of you ask us questions about breaking into journalism But a forum post expressing optimistic salary expectations has spurred Julian Lindley on with a word of warning. If you are looking for money, do not become a journalist. And I can't say it enough. Journalism is one of those careers that is a huge privilege to be involved in it. It opens doors that you would never, ever get opened in any other life. You get to do things other people wouldn't experience and you have a very rich life. The trade-off for that is that the salaries are not as competitive as they would be if you went into another job. And there's a reason for that. It's really bloody boring being a lawyer. It's not great having to be a dentist and look into people's mouths every day. Journalism, like acting, is exciting, you know? And you have got to acknowledge that that's why you're getting into this area. The brilliant thing is, if you're really, really, really good at it, you can get a good salary. So the letter today really is from a guy who really wants to work as a journalist but he wanted to know whether or not journalism and money are mutually exclusive and as I've sort of mentioned that they're not but you really have to focus yourself as a journalist if you want to be one of those people that goes after higher salary and there's two different ways you can focus yourself one is you've either got to be so ridiculously opinionated that somebody will pay you a lot of money to hear what you've got to say so say for example Julie Birchall to me is one of the best journalists that there is in the country because she always says things that makes my blood boil and then two minutes later I completely agree with her. So she's got this incredible ability to tap into what people think and say it two seconds before they think it and that is a huge skill that not many journalists have and so for that reason she's been able to carve out quite a decent career for herself. Your second option is that you become an editor. And you have to become very focused. You've got to know how to do every part of journalism. So you need to know how to do door knocks. You need to know how to interview people. You need to know how to report. You need to know how to dig up stories and legally back it. You've got to be really good all-rounder. Once you've collected your skills as a writer, features editor, news editor, associate editor, deputy editor, editor. It takes time, though. That is not going to happen within the first decade of your career. But if that's what you want, focus on it and go for it. Otherwise, what I'd say to you is just enjoy the job. Just embrace the fact that you're never going to make millions of pounds out of doing it. But enjoy the wealth that you're going to get for your life 
from all the experiences that journalism is going to throw your way. And I, for one, have to say that I love the fact I can look back at my life and say that I've interviewed this person, that I've gone to LA and done this thing, that I've travelled around the world. Things that I would not have been able to do had I become an architect or had I become a manager in an estate or whatever. But as I said, if money is your goal, I would say you might not be in the right profession. That was Julian Lindley, Creative Director at Bauer. Now, earlier this month, a study from the Higher Education Careers Services Unit revealed which degree subjects produce the highest and the lowest number of unemployed graduates. But you probably don't need a survey to tell you that media studies graduates didn't fare well, with more than 14% out of work six months after graduation. And things are similarly grim for IT grads, who face an unemployment rate of more than 16%. But on the sunnier side of the survey, along with geography and science subjects, was psychology, with a lowly 8.3% unemployment rate. What makes this stat particularly interesting is the fact that psychology is pretty much a permanent feature in the upper echelons of the most studied lists. It's currently the second most studied degree in UCAS's course choice tables, for example. So, with no shortage of job seekers in this field, what is it that makes psychology grads so attractive? And is there a secret we can all learn from here? Well, Derek Mowbray, Director of the Management Advisory Service and Visiting Professor in Psychology at Northumbria University, has a few insights on this. Hello, Derek. Hello, Kerry. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on the phone today. Um, I wanted to start by asking you what your thoughts on the findings were that psychology grads are least likely to be unemployed. Were you surprised? No, I think that uh, it certainly isn't a surprise. I mean, psychology graduates tend to be really quite mature in terms of their attitude to life. And so we'll be the sort of people who will go out and try and find employment because they'll be very active. Could you talk a little bit more about what makes psychology graduates so employable? I mean, if you want to maybe highlight some of the skills that employers tend to like. People who go and study psychology at university will already have an interest in people and they will have already become really quite engaged in looking out for people and interacting with them and making them smile and do all the things which get positive responses from other people towards them. So what they'll be doing is they'll be wanting to explore why people behave the way they do. And so when they go to university and go into the science of psychology and the background and all the different approaches, then they will be exploring exactly the things which satisfy their curiosity. And uh, these sorts of skills, looking at things, looking, being inquisitive, being curious, having an interest in people, are all the sort of attributes that employers like to have in employees. Can you tell me a bit about how those skills are applied in the workplace? Well, I mean, by and large, the workplace is made up of people. And... If you've got employees who understand how people tick, uh, how their minds operate and why they behave in the way that they do, and how they get the best responses from other people, then employers are going to be really interested in that. Also, I think graduates are going to be interested in how they present themselves to other people, the way they dress, the way they talk, the way they smile, the way they interact. 
And this is all very appealing to employers. And so it's really this interest in not only themselves and how they behave, but the interest in other people, which is going to be a very attractive proposition for employers. So then do you think an understanding and appreciation of people is sort of integral to achieving success in any career, not just somebody coming from a psychology background? Oh, yes, without, without any doubt. I mean, essentially, we're all about personal control and how we control the responses of other people. And all the evidence indicates that if we give something of ourselves to others in terms of smiling, uh, trying to work out the self-interest of other people, and being pleasant and encouraging and nurturing and all these positive things, then people will reciprocate and will come back and be positive towards you. These sorts of attributes are absolutely essential for success. Have you got any tips or techniques for people that haven't studied the subject that they could perhaps apply in the workplace to bring some of those sort of skills and attributes into their working lives and their career? Well, the biggest tip is attentiveness. If, if I'm attentive to you, as I am in this conversation now, and you realise it and you feel it, you're almost inevitably going to respond and be attentive back to me. Mm. So attentiveness is absolutely critical, and it's probably the single most important behaviour characteristic that we have. And that's the best tip that I can give everybody. What are the sort of top jobs that psychology grads can get? Anything to do with people. And the sort of psychology profession itself is made up of different types of focus. One of the largest groups of psychologists are those who are known as clinical psychologists. Then there are psychologists who work within schools that help children develop. Then there are occupational psychologists who deal with people at work, assessing their skills, knowledge and experience. So there are a whole range of different psychology specialties themselves. Insofar as uh, how far can you get? Well, because psychologists are often highly motivated individuals, you will find quite a lot of psychology graduates as chief executives of public companies, for example, people who have gone into policy advisory positions in government, and uh, lots of psychologists who set up on their own providing psychological advice to other people. So the sky's the limit, really. Thank you so much, Derek. All right, bye now. Thanks again to Derek Mowbray. Time for the top 10 now. James McFadden from Guardian Jobs is here to help Ali reveal the chart. Kicking off the countdown at 10, it's a researcher for MenCap. In at 9, it's Rally International who are looking for volunteers in Costa Rica and Borneo. And at 8, it's a receptionist for ICAP. We've an events assistant at Fairshare at 7. While 6 is a helpline volunteer for the Patients Association. Halfway through at number five, Colton Arts need a visual arts tutor. And at four, the Arbor needs a business mentor. In at three is a befriender with Octavia Housing. And one from the top at two, it's a trustee with the University of London. But this week's top spot is taken by Mentor for Friendship Works. Okay, before we go, here's what we've got coming up on the site next week. Okay, on the 23rd of November, we have a guide to your first managerial role. The 24th of November is using your university career service. And on the 25th of November, we have entry-level roles in TV. All that's left to say is thanks very much to our guests, Derek Mowbray, James McFadden from Guardian Jobs, Harriet Minter and Ali White. Careers Talk was produced by Sarah Cudden. I'm Kerry Eustace and until next week, goodbye. Goodbye.